Welcome to the Radical Brilliance Podcast with Arjuna Arda and brilliant guests from around the world who are contributing to the evolution of humanity. Today's guest is Roger Hamilton, who's going to talk to us about how to speed up and slow down time. So here's your host, Arjuna Arda. Hey there. Many years ago, I read a fantastic book by Gay Hendricks called The Big Leap. And in this book, which I highly recommend, he has a chapter called Einstein Time. And it, it contains in it the most unbelievable insight that just absolutely rocks your world and changes everything. So what is time? Right? So time is this sort of commodity. I don't know if you ever saw that movie. I think it's called In Time or something, which is actually where instead of money, people are transacting time. So really rich people have a lot of time left. Really poor people are just living minute to minute. Fantastic movie just in its analogy. So what is time, you know? Second to money, time is the thing that we run out of, that we don't have enough of, that we feel scarcity around time. But you know, with money, you can always print more money, right? You can earn money. But what about time? Where does time come from? Time is a, time is a commodity which, well, not only can we experience having more or less of it, but it appears like through your mind, it seems like time is always moving at the same speed, doesn't it? Logically, if you look at it empirically, objectively, it seems like time is always moving at the same speed. But subjectively, it's not like that at all, right? Actually, subjectively, a minute sometimes goes past really quick. And sometimes a minute can just last forever. And sometimes you want time to go really quickly. Sometimes you really... Want it to slow way down so you can savor every second. So if you ever had a car accident, but from the moment when you see you're going to have a collision to the collision, that can actually last several minutes of psychological time, or at least several seconds, even though it's a split second in real time. So the point about this book, Gay Hendricks' book, um, The Big Leap, which has this chapter on Einstein time, is he recognizes that who you are, your true nature, is that out of which time is created. Think about it. Your true nature is that out of which time is created. You are the raw materials, the raw substratum out of which time is created. In other words, you can manufacture time and you can also eat time and it's gone. But that requires you to rest back into being eternity into being outside of time and space. This single insight is incredible. It means, this explains why, when you adopt a meditation practice, which means you're sitting doing nothing out of time, you actually have more time. Everybody who meditates finds they have more time in the day. Weird. Now, they've just used up half an hour to an hour. I, I meditate an hour a day. But if I don't meditate for my hour, I have less time in the day to do things. If I meditate for an hour, I've got all the time I need. Weird. 
It's because meditation takes you out of time into timelessness from where time is manufactured. So very few people really understand this or even contemplate it because it's so much out of the box. But one of the people who's looked into this is my old buddy, Roger Hamilton. I only really invite people onto this podcast who I've known for at least 10 or 12 years. It's just somehow, I don't know, I think I have to kind of get to know somebody before I want to risk exposing you to them. But Roger Hamilton, I've known for a long time. He's done a lot of interesting things. At some point, we'll have him back to talk about his amazing theory of wealth, of how how different people create wealth in different ways, wealth dynamics. But today he's going to talk about speeding up and slowing down time. Enjoy. Hey, Roger. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Great. Uh, thank you so much for taking some time. We're here hanging out in Mexico, yes. basically on vacation together. Yes. <laughs> and I wanted to grab you to take some time out of time to talk about time. Cool. We were in a kind of impromptu gathering yesterday, yeah. part of Open Space. And you had some amazing thoughts about time that totally reinforced kind of creeping suspicions that mm. I've had that kind of rip the fabric right. of established reality. And so I'm just, if, I'm just going to kick it off and then I want to you know, come back to what you were talking about yesterday. So just to introduce it, I've been having this recognition that there's absolutely no way to know if time is always moving at the same speed, right? Because if in fact time sped up, whether it was for everybody or just for you psychologically, you wouldn't know because all the clocks would speed up simultaneously, right? So it would still look like an hour and any empirical way to verify it would say it was an hour, but it might, it could have, that hour could have, all the clocks could have done their hour in, you know, the equivalent of five seconds and it would just feel really quick. And simultaneously, you know, time could really slow down and, and it would, you would feel it, but all the clocks would still do their hour. So I well, I mean that's the base of Einstein's relativity. Is you can have right. someone travelling at a different speed, another one, different clock, they are going to come back with different times. So relativity is already a proven scientific concept. That's what exactly what happens. Exactly, exactly. But it kind of freaks you out a little bit when you apply it to your life. You know, I mean, it's 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 great as a as a scientific concept. But you know, when you read Einstein, you generally tend to read Einstein with a fairly sort of comfortable <laughs> belief in things being solid you know but actually as you said it's because it because of it being about relativity when you start to recognize the unreliability of time as a fixed constant you also start to do the same thing with space which is interesting where everything starts to dismantle and actually the 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 one of one of my clients i'm working with on a, on a book is postulating the possibility that actually all of this is a simulation right so i'm kind of dreaming you you're dreaming me, and we managed to sync up to make our dreams such that you know I can reach out and touch you, and you can go, wow, you know, mm-hmm. I can, re- you know, mm-hmm. and I can feel that, and you feel that. Yep. We could all be wearing, you know, sure, we could all be wearing goggles and headphones and sensors on our skin. So let's go back to what you were talking about yesterday, because you had some really interesting ideas about how you can recognizing the unreliability of time as a fixed constant. You started to talk yesterday about how you can deliberately find ways to slow it down and speed it up, actually to increase your artistry in the way you live your life. Well, I think everyone who's ever played a sport, for example, knows what, what it is to get in the zone or to get in flow when, you, when time slows down. And so 
you can suddenly do amazing things within the football pitch or you know with uh, music or anything where you are basically experiencing time at a different speed to other people and I think a lot of people we're never taught at school how to control time uh, but if you actually look at anyone God no it's like the last thing you're talking sure right <laughs> yeah in fact if, any, if anything it's the opposite it's, it's about Kronos time so I, I, was, I was talking yesterday about how the Greeks had two different gods for time there was Kronos and there was Kairos and Kronos was mechanical time which is what what we have to do when we follow the bell, even if we haven't finished our, our work, we've got to go to the next class. Uh, and it's about mechanical time where it, it is all going at the same pace, no matter what, for us and everyone else. Whereas Kairos is magical time, which is, which is those critical moments. Mm. Uh, you know, it's like if, if, if you speak to someone who's a sports person about the game afterwards, they don't go through it minute by minute. They go through those critical moments where, yeah. where, where to them, the entire game, can, you know, there's times in the game which was all basically compressed time where they mm. don't even remember what happened, and then mm. there's a really critical time mm. when they actually had the you know ball in front of the goal, or they had the you know ball you know like you know throwing mm. for the hoop, and those elements mm. are the fundamental ways that they think of the game, mm. uh, and in fact they go into the game already with those in mind. In fact, they've played those so many times that when it actually comes up, it just becomes automatic. So uh, most people don't think that all of their success in life comes by controlling time. But if they look back, they realize a lot of their missed opportunities were just not being conscious at those moments when time was um, like zipping by and they should have slowed it down. Uh, and then they missed the moment. Uh, and then other times where they've actually slowed time down way too much in places that aren't even relevant or aren't even important. And then that creates stress in their lives, anxiety, because they don't feel they're in control of their lives. Uh, and when someone says, you know, I don't have enough time, we've got the same 24 hours. So, so it isn't about how much time you have, it's about how you're experiencing that time. And everyone has the ability to slow and speed up time, uh, which is what we're talking about. Right, great. Let's break this down a little bit. There's hmm. so much in what you just said there. So much, God. Okay. So let's break this down a little bit because you've referenced time. There are points when time really slows down and goes slowly, you know, and where, it, you know, it was five minutes, but it really felt like sure, an hour. Sure. And then the opposite where things go really fast. Yeah. And, you know, you, you, you can't hardly keep up with it. So I'd like to maybe focus on each of those separately. Mm. Let's, which one would you like to start with? Uh, well, 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 why don't we start with just why it's important to be able to control time, right? Sure. I, I think that's... Uh, but, but let me just... That's good. But let me tell you where I'd like to go. Is sure. I'd like to focus on each of those, the speeding up, the slowing down, okay. and, and focus like what's true, what do we know about yes. a time when it's slowed or a time when it's, when it's sped up, and why, why might we want to choose certain events for either one, mm -hmm. and then what do we do to... Sure. To, orchestrate it that way yeah. does that sound good yeah absolutely yeah. that make it very practical yeah. so so first of all like at a very practical level uh the most important thing about controlling time is understanding the relationship of time and consciousness yeah so we know when we go to sleep uh, eight hours can feel like eight minutes mm -hmm. uh, and what's really going on there is that our consciousness is slowing down mm. and as a result time is speeding up mm -hmm. so there's a direct correlation between consciousness and time so if you want if you want to slow down time speed up consciousness if you want to uh, speed up time, slow down consciousness. Hold on a second. Let's just define what you mean by speeding up or slowing down consciousness. Would that mean the speed at which thoughts are moving, for example? Uh, so if you think of your consciousness effectively having a frame rate, mm -hmm. right, which means basically the amount of frames per second. If you were, like, you know, on, on, on doing a video, if you are doubling your frame rate when you play back, mm. it actually is half the speed, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So as you increase frame rate, which is basically your experience of the world, mm. uh, which you have the ability to do, we all have the ability to do this, but most of us aren't thinking in that way, um, then we have the ability to speed and slow down time as a result of it. And if I take it one step further and say there's a relationship between um, consciousness, uh, time, and light, right? They're all linked together. 
uh, and we were talking about this as well, the, the concept of terminal velocity, which is in, in science, something only ever gets a terminal velocity where it actually becomes constant speed because of an equal imposing force. So like, you know, you drop a stone, it'll get to terminal velocity because of air, you know, air resistance, you know, you have sound through water, it'll get to terminal velocity because there's basically, you know, the uh, resistance of the molecules coming back the other way. Uh, and so if you ask the question, what is it that creates terminal velocity in light? Right? Like the it's fact equal that and opposite force. There's something that's actually making it not continue to accelerate. Mm -hmm. um, and, and if you say, well, what is that thing? And if you actually go look in science books, they don't even ask the question. Right? Mm -hmm. You Google it, you won't find an answer. So you're talking about what is the equal and opposite thing for the speed of consciousness? Then? No, the mm -hmm. equal and opposite to the speed of light. Speed of light. To the speed of light, right? Okay. So what is it that now... now what is it that stops light from infinitely accelerating? Correct, yeah. exactly. Like what is it that makes it just uh, you know, get a constant speed? And um, if you go back in time, it's very interesting because... Uh, there is already within the whole concept of light uh, the, the the concept of something coming from the opposite direction. I mean, if you if you reverse time, it spells emit, right? Like there's something that's emitting, right, coming in <laughs> the opposite from the other side. And what's emitting on the other side is consciousness. Now you say, well, is this proven? It's like it's not proven, but it's really interesting that you know there's lots of theories as to why you know Einstein and those that started start focusing on light decided to call the speed of light c. Right, see what does C stand for, right? And you can oh, it stands for constant, and it stands for a whole bunch of things. Um, there was a whole bunch of conversations that took place between the likes of Einstein, uh, uh, someone called uh, Wolfgang Pauli, who was one of the you know really founding fathers of quantum mechanics, Carl Jung. Mm -hmm. uh, now, and there was a school which is called the and School Niels of Wisdom. Niels Bohr, Niels Bohr, yeah. So, so these were guys that basically were looking at what you know, what's the what's the what's the fundamental behind all of this. So. If you take for a moment that the C in light actually is consciousness, right? Then it actually shifts in the opposite direction. And then you say, well, then if we can actually uh, have an experience where uh, when you actually speed up time and you're slowing down consciousness, at that point, light is constant. But what happens if you uh, change one of the other variables within that to the speed of light as well, right? So because all of these three things are interlinked to each other. And there's, we have a bit of a triangle that we're in. Which is TLC, which is basically saying that's, it looks like that, right? That's right. It's got yeah. light at the top, yeah. and, and so so basically, science is so easy to understand the moment that you have a triangle. So, as an example, if you think of um, uh, the relationship between uh, mass and uh, volume and density, right? We we know that at the end of the day, you multiply mass and density, which are the two bottom ones, and the volume will increase, right? But if you actually double the volume, then the density halves, right? And if you double the mass. Uh, then the density uh, doubles, right? So, so once you have a triangle, you can see the relationship between each of these things. Uh, when you do this with time and light, say, well, how they link to each other, and you actually add the consciousness in, it makes a lot of sense in terms of how you can then practically use it. So if you think of light being at the top, and then you've then got time, and then you've got consciousness, then light effectively is the multiplier of time and consciousness. The moment consciousness disappears, the moment we die, Right, then light disappears. Right, it's mm. not there anymore. Mm. Time disappears. Mm -hmm. It's all there is a result of consciousness, mm -hmm. and vice versa. Uh, uh, there's a great, um, uh, there's a that great uh, uh, like parable about the two monks who are going to their master because they're having an argument uh, about what they're seeing, and one of them says, uh, you know, well, there's this flag and it's waving, and I say the flag is waving. Right, my friend here says no, it's not the flag that's moving; it's the wind that's moving. Uh, and then the master says, actually, it's neither of them, it's your consciousness that's moving, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, it's consciousness that actually creates life in itself, and the moment consciousness disappears, it all disappears. So if you then say, well, then what happens if life, life is constant, um, and I were to double my consciousness rate, the answer is, well, time then halves, it slows down, and vice versa. So a very practical example of this. If I was uh, in a queue, and I, was, I knew I was going to be there for an hour, 
I know there's things I can do which will slow my mind down. So, for example, I can read a book. Re- reading a book will, will make time fly because because the actual pace of your consciousness mm. is now at the pace of the words. Mm. And so, as a result of that, you can read a you know a chapter mm. and an hour's gone by, right? Mm. Whereas if you're there and you aren't doing something like that and you're mm. actually just like looking at everything around you. Uh, and as a result of that, time just t- you know, takes forever. We keep on looking at your watch, mm-hmm. and it's like you know, time goes forever. So the whole thing about you know, watch kettle never boils is because your consciousness rate is at, is at such a rate of uh, slowing down or, or speeding up in that case that time seems to last forever, right? Let me just throw in a little question here. So mm-hmm. I just as you were saying that, and I was visualizing those two things, I realized the other the time when we often read a book is at night before we go to mm-hmm. sleep, yeah. right? So you're saying when you're reading a book. You, you, you're, you're slowing your consciousness down. That's right. And you're speeding up time. That's right. It's also an effect on the physiology, mm-hmm. right? Because actually the corollary of that is you, your body relaxes. Yes. So what's the relationship between physiological relaxation and the speed of time and the speed of consciousness? Uh, it comes down to um, the difference of awareness and focus. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you are uh, increasing your awareness, you'll find that time slows down. Mm. If you increase your focus, mm. you'll find time slows down. But if you're not being aware, mm. time speeds up, right? right? Which is why if someone's in a situation where, where you're not even aware mm. uh, that it's an important moment. You're in a business meeting and it's a really important one. You're in an interview, right? You're in the exam. And, 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 and at that point, if, you are, if you're not careful and you're not aware, you're going to end up making all the wrong mistakes in the wrong time because you're not in control of time at that point, right? Okay. Uh, focus is the same thing, right? The moment you really focus on something, then time speeds up. Right, so so focus is the opposite of awareness, right? Like at the end of the day, focus is density of consciousness. Mm. Awareness is breadth yes, or width yes, of consciousness, yes, yes, right. and it's like a sprinkler system, which yes. basically is like sprinkling, which is very light, or it's a, a hose which can go real fast. That's the yeah. difference of awareness and focus. Yeah. Um, but if you're not controlling either one of them, then you've got a challenge. And you know, like what I focus at mostly actually isn't sports people; it's it's business people. It's like entrepreneurs. And in, in the entrepreneur case, it, more than now, than ever, is so important because time is moving so quickly yes. uh, that people have to be very clear when is their critical moments. If, you, if they design their week and they say, what's my critical moments this week going to be? Is it going to be the business deal I'm going to do? Is it going to be the conversation I'm going to have with my team? Is it going to be like, what is that? And you've got to design it ahead of time or is you going to go through the week and feel like you've done nothing? Uh, and then understanding also that if you think of uh, what Buckminster Fuller, uh, Fuller calls uh, control time, he says, wealth is control time. Meaning, uh, most of us think that our success is out there somewhere. But if you think of something like a flower, uh, and you say, okay, where's the success in a flower, right? Like at any moment, where's the success in it? It's realizing that there is a particular pace which is absolutely right to create flow in life in that flower. If you water it too much, it's going to die. Uh, if you water it not enough, it's going to die. Mm. And so there's this kind of fine line, which is the Goldilocks zone, which is when it's in flow, which is where life all happens. Mm. All of us in our business, most of us, we could actually get within a week to the flow we're looking for, but, or even less. But the issue is that we're either pushing the business too fast, mm. and so it's burning out, like being in the wrong gear in a car, so it's burning out, or we're trying to start in too high a gear, which means it's stalling. Mm. Uh, and so when I look at a business, I look at someone, I can see the whole thing is down to the fact they haven't controlled time, that they haven't understood how time turns into money, mm. uh, how at the end of the day, if, you, if you've got 10% profit in a year, it, it just means that you just had what was coming in being 10% more than what was going out. You just were one month ahead on that and that gave you your 10% profit. So, so when someone doesn't figure out how to do that mm-hmm. and then your costs are ahead of your, or your revenues, uh, then it shows up in your P&L, right? So, so when I look at a profit and loss or I look at a balance sheet, um, I'm looking at the musical score of time and you can see when it's out of tune and you can then get back in tune Amazing. again. So it's very much like a musician 
It's not like, you know, practice, 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 because one day you're going to be good at music. It's about knowing at this very moment you can already be good, right? Mm. By just tuning in to basically where you're at and tuning in to the rest of the band. Uh, and that's where rhythm becomes so important as well. So coming back to the point about practically what you can do, uh, when we are uh, looking for ways to uh, speed up time, it's by slowing consciousness down. You can, um, I run, right? I, I'm this, this, is, this year I'm going to do my first Ironman. And, and in that process, when you're on a bike for like four hours or when you're you know, running for a couple of hours, um, it can be painful if you're thinking at every moment that you're in this run and you've still got another hour and a half to go. Um, if you slow down your consciousness, which is what happens, anyone who's run knows, you know, to begin with, it feels like the first five minutes is forever. And then after that, every 10 minutes just ticks on by. And it's because their mind is going into this state, which is allowing time to go real fast, right? Mm. They're slowing down the consciousness. And most of the time it's through physiology. It's by counting every four step. It's by, you know, counting the breath every... So you're not counting by the second. You're counting by something which has, has a much uh, longer wavelength or, or much lower frequency. And so as a result, 10 steps and you can already be two minutes down the line. If you're enjoying this podcast with Arjuna Arda and his radically brilliant guest, you might also enjoy our eight-week online group coaching program. It's an opportunity to go deep and get stable in practices that enhance your own brilliance. We only take 20 participants at a time, so in a small and intimate group, you can go through the whole Radical Brilliance cycle. You'll have an accountability partner in another brilliant aspirant from somewhere around the world. The eight-week coaching program involves eight one-hour webinars with Arjuna Arda and a group of other Radical Brilliance coaches. You'll also receive one 30-minute coaching session with your own personal coach every week and one 90-minute coaching session with Arjuna himself. It's the ideal opportunity to drop deep into yourself, into the source of your own creativity, and to get support for an entire eight weeks of mining your own radical brilliance and bringing it forth into a project or creation that can truly serve the future of humanity. Find out more at RadicalBrilliance.com and click on the Programs tab. Let's break this down a little bit, okay? Because I, I want to kind of, I want to make sure we don't miss anything. So let's let's um, let's go into let's start with the phenomenon of speeding up time, right? Which means slowing down consciousness, Correct. right? So first of all, let's just let's get a few bullet points down of what is that like? Like what okay. are the, what are the features of of an event where time speeds up, consciousness slows down? Can you? Uh, you're on a plane for twelve hours, mm -hmm. and you decide. You well, it's time to go fast, so you sleep. Well, before we before we manipulate it, mm. let's. I'd love to think about some some times when that happens anyway, so people can people who haven't tried manipulating time, times when they want to speed up time. You mean no? Before 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 we start to manipulate it, which yeah. we'll come on to, mm. let's think about where that where, where we can recognize that anyway, like experiences we've had where time sped up, okay. and consciousness slowed down. Uh, sleeping is okay, an example. Good. Sleep, all right. Um, before you were born is an example. What about meditation? Uh, meditation, hundred percent, also yeah. an example. Okay. Yeah. So I'm I'm realizing um, 
I usually make sure I have one, ideally two, and sometimes three days a week that are completely unscheduled. In yes. other words, there's nothing in the calendar. I, have, I always have one day like that. There's nothing in the calendar. And I enter into a very different state of being, which is actually very productive and creative, mm. but it actually allows me to flow into what I feel like doing next, but it's not, it's not necessarily just indulgent. It's, yes. it's actually it's being able to follow a kind of flow. I noticed the same thing happens, which I don't do so much anymore, but when I was younger, I used to travel without any agenda. Mm-hmm. You know, like get a Eurail pass to go around Europe. Yeah. You just, you don't know where the next train sure. is going to take you. Sure. So that seems to me an example of time speeding up, consciousness slowing down, mm-hmm. which is yeah. unstructured. Yeah. Good. So that's, we've given some examples. Are there any, we, I think we mentioned that your physiology relaxes at mm-hmm. that time, right? Would that be true? It's true. Yeah. Uh, your breathing would go slower. So your, yeah. your whole rhythm is slowing down. Yeah. And then that allows consciousness itself to slow down as well. Right. I'm going to put it, I want to ask you about another feature. It appears to me that at those times there is greater openness to opportunity, to things you didn't, things you hadn't planned, synchronicities. Does that, does that feel right? Uh, you're giving the universe a time to catch up with you. Yeah, right. So you could say that there's greater openness to opportunity, right? I would say at the right pace. If you go too slow, yeah. then it also misses. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you're, you're, you're kind of slowing down to the speed at which, at, which, at which synchronicity happens. If you think about a surfer and a wave, it's mm-hmm. the same thing, right? It's like, it's like knowing that there are certain times that you, like with the wave coming, mm-hmm. you need to speed up to get on the wave and yeah. then you surf and other times... And if you're not tuned in to what's happening there, yeah. you wouldn't experience that. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges. It's not just about, oh, I don't have opportunity, so I should slow down. Because it may be you're already going too slow. Yes. Right? It may be that the way's already broken, and yeah. now's not the time to be slowing down. So the Chinese do this really, really well in the way that they actually understand how time itself has a pulse. And it's the moon cycle which actually creates the pulse, right? And, mm. and, the, and the way, like, like you know, we're, we're over 70% water. We've got, like, you know, the earth over 70% water, 80% water. And, and you've got, basically, this pulse that takes place uh, where, as a result, that, and animals know this, right? That mm. there is a time for everything. Mm. And so understanding Kairos time and how Kairos time pulses, it doesn't all just, like, become mechanical. Whereas, so it's not prescriptive. I just got to slow down. You've got to actually sense what's going on. And every um, surfer, uh, anyone who is in a, you know, a, a sports game, anyone who is in business needs to tune in to the flow of the market mm. and tune into the flow of their team. Mm. Uh, one of the biggest issues with many people is they start um, you know, hiring a team and they're not sensing what the pace of each team member is, which is definitely very different from the founder. So the founder ends up burning everyone out, right? Mm. And then blame the team for not getting the result, as opposed to realizing now is the time more than ever to tune in just like a gardener would tune into the garden. Mm-hmm. Brilliant, brilliant. So for those, I don't think you've, uh, you've had a chance to look at Radical Brilliance yet, my, my new book, but um, for those people who know the Brilliant Cycle, we're talking about six to nine on the cycle. So it's, a, it's a cycle like, like a clock, yeah. So let's think about what are some times in our lives, some, some kind of opportunities or events, where we tend, we tend to uh, have our consciousness going too fast. It would be a good idea to slow it down. And in other words, time is going too slowly. We want to speed it up. So mm. what, are, what, are some, what are some times where people typically miss the chance to uh, slow down consciousness and speed up time? Uh, so let's take a few different areas in life, right? Yeah. If we took an area like relationships, yeah. then no question, almost all conflict yeah. happens as a result of mismatch of time. All right. 
you know, it's like if you really get that, like in that conversation, mm. when you want to get your point across, mm. and that other person has something to say, beautiful. Yeah. Unless you actually slow down yeah, and right. give a chance to get really it. open. Great example. So I've noticed with my wife, if we're having a mismatch, what I actually need to do is just actually listen mm-hmm. and ask questions, mm-hmm. right? Which actually that, that 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 slows it down. That's right. I'm thinking a really good example would be lovemaking. I don't know. Mm-hmm. If, did you go to that talk yesterday with Chuni Lin? No, I missed that one. Okay, but I heard about it. Yeah. So he was talking about slowing down sex, yes. and sex is something that generally people do faster than would be a good idea, right? <laughs> but another good example, right? Yeah. If you take this from the point of view of let's say our day to day, if you're running a business. Um, where most people go get it really wrong mm. is in front of a customer. Yeah. Like, you know, when you're in front of a customer, you, you know, if you're moving even just slightly too fast, yeah. then that customer's going to feel you're pushy and they're going to run them out, right? Um, understanding that there's a time mm. and the t- at the beginning of any conversation that they're wanting to move quickly at their pace so they're not wasting their time, but at some point they're going to want to make a decision about something and that's going to, and that's going to be really important to then slow time down yeah. in a particular way that allows them to actually well, We're talking about process. speeding up time slowing down consciousness now, right? Uh, uh, okay, so we I'm jumping between the two. Yeah. Go let's let's stay on you but this is what I was going to reflect on it seems to me that what you can control is actually slowing down your consciousness and as a result Time, time speeds up, but that's more like the byproduct. You have control over the consciousness. Not, mm-hmm. not, would that be correct? So if you think about sex, if you breathe more deeply, take your attention off moving towards a climax, but actually stay present with your body, you're slowing down consciousness, but then 45 minutes of lovemaking may, may seem, it may seem like five minutes. Uh, yes, but what I would say is that there's, uh, there's a there's a whole element around this, which is where you, what you're talking about, you're talking about specifically here, is how you can actually slow consciousness down mm-hmm. in a way that actually speeds up time. Right? Yeah. You do not. You don't want to be doing that when it comes to lovemaking. You want to be doing the opposite. Okay. You want to be remembering that moment. You want to be in that moment. You yeah. want time to slow down, not to speed up. Okay. Right. Okay. Is that so the way, so you actually get time to slow down, which actually happens naturally anyway. So we're onto the separate separate side, which is how do you actually create a memorable moment, right? Okay. Like like in the same way that if you're, you know, if if, if you're if you're a footballer and at that critical moment, right, you're not even there because you're you're you know you, you you're not noticing that that time is so important, and so you're going right past and you miss the goal, right? Mm. Um, same thing in sex, right? If you're actually in it, if you're in lovemaking, and it, it happens in a minute, and it's like it, it might be forty minutes, but you're not even noticing that because mm. your heart rate is so high. Everything's moving like so. If you're in a, you actually want to, you want to actually get to a point where the time itself feels like it's forever, mm. right? So that five minutes actually feels mm. like it's already like an hour, right? So, so you really, so you would do that by slowing down time and speeding up consciousness, then. Correct. Yeah. Exactly. And, how, and so, what would that be? That's the opposite of what yeah, we're talking exactly. about. Exactly. So, so the body already has a number of mechanisms that does that. So, for example, in an emergency, right? You know, it's like, you know, a car accident's happening, you're in it. Yeah. Like everyone will, everyone will say at that point, it feels like it was forever. Right, exactly. Even, yeah, and, and the yeah. reason that's happening is because adrenaline's going through the system. Yeah. Right? What's happening is that your frame rate is going up massively. Yes. Right? So as your frame rate goes up, everything slows down, right? Mm-hmm. All your experience of time slows down. So, so to get to that place and to be able to do that is about understanding how even your breathing is going to change that, right? As so let's think about why would you want to do that? Why would you want to... Why would you want to artificially create an experience that time goes very slowly and your frame rate goes up? So let's say, for example, you're a public speaker, right? Yeah. And if you're getting on stage, 
And if you're not careful, um, you're going to be super nervous mm-hmm. of what you're going to say. You're going to stumble over your words. Um, you're not going to pick up the cues of the audience. Uh, and then you're going to end up you know, doing a bad job if you actually increase your frame rate before you get on stage. Mm-hmm. Right? The same way that a, a sports person will increase their frame rate by the way they have a ritual before they get onto the pitch. Mm-hmm. Right? Then you're going to be in a much, much, much more effective state when you're on there. Right. Whereas everyone else, like, you, they're going to feel like you're... Uh, moving at pace, but in your mind and everything around you, mm. you've actually managed to slow time down in a way that what you can achieve and what you can do is very, very different. If you're in uh, a really important business meeting or a negotiation, if you are uh, you know, on a date right, and, and you don't want to be in that position where you're kind of messing up or, or letting you stumbling over time itself, uh, then you want to be in a situation where you're in full control mm. of your experience of time and by actually like I was mentioning in terms of like, you know, opening your awareness, mm. you know, if you actually do that, you actually become very aware of what's there. Wow. So there's a technique you can do, for example, where if you are like, let's say you're with your loved one and you are in uh, a spot where you know, like this is never going to happen again. Yes. You know, the sun's going down, you're on the beach. If you actually took just like two minutes while you're there and you actually framed up the entire experience, you, you together shared the color of the sky, you together shared what the sounds of the waves were like, you together... So you, how would you frame up the whole experience? How would you frame it? Yeah, how would you... You said frame up means increase your frame rate, right? Yeah, so... Slow down time, how would you do that? That's right, so, so the first thing is that if you can feel your heartbeat and yeah. your um, physiology yeah. uh, increase the cycle rate, Jeez, right? Okay. As yeah. it goes higher, yeah. right? Then you're going to actually wow. start experiencing okay. everything goes slower and slower. This is genius. Right? And okay. if you start seeing everything go slower and slower and you spot all the parts through awareness, yeah. so you see it, you effectively create a movie which you'll remember forever wow. in a way that if you don't do that, the moment's going to go by and then when you try and recall it, you can't even remember it that easily. Brother, my brain is sparking so much right now. I'm just like having so many insights. So, you know, what I've often done when I needed to do, like when, when I was going to be doing public speaking, what I've often done is is meditated before, which means slowing down my physiology. You're telling me I should do the opposite, actually. Absolutely. Oh yeah. my God. So Absolutely. Actually, so before I, I, you I'll gone. give you an example of how we do it, right? Because I, I do a lot That's of talks. That's crazy. And the most important thing about the talk is to realize that your consciousness mm-hmm. is not in your mind, right? Yeah. You know, your mind is in your consciousness. So, so, so what I will always um, share with all of our trainers is your job is not to be speaking, right? You, it's not being a public speaker, right? It's about connecting to a higher spirit and to create consciousness in the room. Right. And, and most people, if they go into a big room, their consciousness is tiny and it's not filling up the room. Right. So there's techniques you can use. Like, uh, you know, I'll go, uh, I'll say, I've got to fill up a room, a small room, before I can fill up a big room. Yeah. So I'll go in the elevator mm. and go up 10 floors and back down yeah. and I'll be in the elevator and I'll just feel my consciousness just fill the entire okay. elevator. My awareness of, of everything, in the, I can feel it on the walls by the time I come down, yeah. you know, it's ready to pop out and I can get up onto stage and the whole room will just fill. Right. When, when you, when you, and, by, and the, the, the word for that is presence, right? Like yeah. once you've actually started controlling your presence and know you can make it very small, you can make it very big. Yeah. Uh, you know, same thing if there's not an elevator, I'll go to the toilet and I'll go to the cubicle and I'll fill up the cubicle yeah. and then I'll come out from that space, fill up the corridor, walk down into the room, fill up the room. Uh-huh. Uh, and as you do that, everyone can feel it. And, and that's increasing it's increasing your frame rate. It's increasing your frame rate because when you're actually at a high level of awareness and your whole body physiologically is also snapping away, mm. right, real fast, um, it's like it, it, like a, a footballer that goes onto a football pitch is, is actually using the entire uh, uh, space around him uh-huh. to actually lift up his consciousness and see everything in slow motion. 
Right. And when that happens, then he can be running around and like, you know, not tripping over the ball and controlling and doing all sorts of stuff that if you're watching it from the stands, you're like, holy cow, how did that guy do that, right? Yeah. How did he, he was always in the next place. How did he make that happen? Uh, there's this great interview with Michael Jordan uh, that I remember watching when he was playing for the Chicago Bulls. And it was uh, this uh, interview where it happened straight after uh, he had just won the game in the most crazy shot. I can't remember which game it was, but you know what had happened was he was like, you know, closing seconds, uh, and someone, you know, someone basically got the ball, and he was running the other side, and basically the guy lobbed the ball over, and without him even looking, he just jumped up and he just dunked the ball, and it's like he didn't, he didn't even like he was running before the ball was there. He was dunking it without even looking at it. And then afterwards, you know, the, the, the interviewer was saying something like, like how, how did you know the ball was going to be there, right? And he said, well, of course the ball is going to be there because that's where the ball is going to be. <laughs> it's, like, it's like once you start controlling time, mm. you get to the number one key to all success, which is anticipation. You actually know what's going to happen next. Yeah, yeah. And so this is where it gets very interesting because, because then you say, well, does that mean you can predict the future? All businesses are actually valued based on their ability to predict the future, right? It's like, mm. it's, it's what, is, what are they actually thinking is going to happen? And then they're valued on that basis. And so if you can't predict the future, you're in big trouble, right? Like every surfer knows they can predict when the big wave is going to come. And you think, well, how did they do that? Like, how did they know that was what was going to happen? And the answer is because time is not linear. And once you actually are able to expand your awareness, you're expanding in such a way that you don't just see what was happening in the past, you see what's happening in the future. Uh, and, and, and this is about understanding that our brains already can do this. I mean, we know it because we see it happen again and again. Most of us just aren't doing it like deliberately. Uh, and understanding that, that what the brain is best at is recall. But what most of us are doing is recalling the past. So that's called memory. And that's because when we go to school, the only thing we really learn is how to memorize. Which, of course, in today's world is not a good thing to do. Right. Because, like, you know, <laughs> computers are going to do a way better job than you any day. Well, you know, adapt into a world that no longer exists. That's right. right. And yeah. so... But, this, but that's only one type of recall. Mm -hmm. The most, much more important type of recall is not remembering the past, it's remembering the future. As you're listening to this conversation with Arjuna Arda and his radically brilliant guest, you might feel inspired to go deeper into your own expression of radical brilliance. Come join us for a one-week Radical Brilliance Laboratory held in a beautiful rural location in the Sierra Nevada mountains of California. During the laboratory, you'll have an opportunity to dive deeply into all four quadrants of the Brilliance Cycle. This means you'll be able to explore experiences of consciousness without boundaries. And you'll be able to start accessing original impulses of creativity from within yourself that can become your unique contribution to the world. You can get in touch with your own learning and integrate mistakes that will allow you to mature and grow. You'll have the chance to deeply mine your own resources as well as connect with other brilliant people in a small, intimate context for a week. You can check out the Radical Brilliance Laboratories at RadicalBrilliance.com under the Events tab.
the most much more important type of recall is not remembering the past is remembering the future <laughs> okay right? and that's not that's not memory that's vision so so when you go to someone like elon musk or you go to someone like richard branson and you say what's up right whereas you go to a lot of ordinary people they'll say oh well this is what happened yesterday this is what i'm thinking about today this, like they're, they're constantly talking about their past uh when i'm finding meeting someone new i'm like tell me about yourself vast majority of people start from the past they go well this is who i am that's what i'm doing like and they give you their resume whereas whereas anyone who's really like in flow won't even think about the past. They, they, they're not even thinking about it. yesterday. They're saying, oh, well, here's what we're working on. Here's where we're going. Like, here's the mission of what we're... They're constantly thinking about the future. Uh, and so the future then becomes their present, right? They actually then have a deliberate future which they've created. You know, Amazing. so the best way to predict the future is create it. And every one of us can do that. You know, you, you, you predict what's going to happen in the game. You predict what's going to happen in your business. You predict how much money you're going to make. You predict what kind of life you're going to have. Uh, most people can't do that well because they haven't practiced enough their vision. And at the end of the day, as long as your memory is always stronger than your vision, then your past is always going to hold you back from your future. Absolutely. Yeah. The moment your vision becomes better yeah. than the past, I mean, for some people, best thing that would happen for them is a big knock on the head and they forget about their past and yeah. they have amnesia yeah. and suddenly they can do all the stuff they couldn't do before. You know, let me, let me give you, tell you a little story that, that reflects on that so, so nicely. Uh, I was working with a couple recently. We've been married a long time. And I, I, I'm actually, I wasn't primarily working with them about their relationship. It's just... just came up and I said I'd handle it with them. So they'd been married a long time and, you know, the kind of the love and the passion had kind of dissipated, you know. And so I asked them about it and um, one, of, one of the people in the couple said, well, when she, she does this, she tends, to, she tends to get critical and then I tend to recoil, right? So using the present tense, right? She, she gets critical. She's critical, I recall. These are present tense language. Yes. So I said, okay, well, how do you feel about that? And he says, is that what you want? I said, no, I don't want that, right? So it's using the present tense to describe something that's undesirable. Mm. So I said, well, is that happening right now? In this moment, is she critical and you recalling? No. So why are we using the present tense, right? What you're saying is, I have a memory, a kind of generalized memory of this happening in the past, mm but it's not what I want to create. So actually the present moment is this kind of sort of gap, yeah. you know, which, I mean, in, in, a, in an absolute way, it's a gap that doesn't exist in time at all mm. because, you know, everything other, everything is either, anything your mind can think about is either past or present. So in the middle, there's a kind of a non-existent gap where there's no time. Yeah. But everything he was saying is true now about the relationship was actually true about the past. And what the future is everything he wants which is quite different. Mm. So I suggested to him, why don't you just try a simple practice of not describing your relationship using present tense mm. for the things that you don't want, you know, that you have a memory of, you can use the past tense for the things that you do want, you know, and I taught them a little practice to do this, you know, to actually mm. to say, you know, if, if there was something going on to say, oh, I realized that in the past we've been doing this, but I don't really want that. Do you? I'd like to this in the future. So we differentiated undesirable things that we, we the undesirable things that we gave a past tense you now they're gone and the desirable things we gave a future tense so it's a, it's a parallel to what you're saying yeah I'd go on to that further and say the moment you actually put the future in a present tense yeah like in, in that situation yeah if he says you know whenever my wife pushes back on my thoughts or on my ideas then I give her unconditional love yeah and I listen to what she has to say right. if he and, and, and he might not be doing that right now but by by him actually saying that's what I want to do yeah and rather than saying here's what I want to have happen he says, this is what I, this is now going to be my present. 
then it actually starts happening. And like, I, I, this is I so experimented with that, mm. but it was too big a leap because he said, no, well, I get that. Yeah. Know, he said, oh, no, that's just not true. He sure. Said, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. so look, I'm just kind of, I'm going to do a little segue here, kind of reboot for a second, because I'm realizing people listening to this podcast, they're, they're only going to have one question in their minds right now. Okay, I know that. Of everything we've said, there's going to be one question everyone's going to have. Who the fuck is this guy? Right? Because this is so out-of-the-box thinking. And I think not everybody in my audience is going to know about you. So let's just do a little background on you. So you and I, we both went to the same university, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Little-known university in England, right? Obscure university, right? <laughs> Where you actually create those maps, right? Those mm -hmm. maps of how to get around. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know how that happened because I've actually seen those maps sure. but you're younger than me so I don't know why they were there when I, but anyway anyway so um, so we went to, we both went to Cambridge right did you grow up in England no I grew up in Hong Kong I was born in Hong Kong and right. I, was, I grew up in Asia and then I I went to Cambridge uh, really just because there were not any universities that were at the level in because uh, you couldn't Asia. get anyone and good couldn't get in anywhere else right well, it's pretty interesting. My 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 uh, my, uh, my, uh, my dad had always always wanted uh, to be an architect, and so when there was a chance to go to university be an architect, he says, "Okay, let's do it." But it, but they didn't have much money, so then I was like, "All right, well then we need to do this where we can actually you know get um, uh, affordability," which meant coming to England where yeah. I was a British citizen and getting home status, which would make it cheaper yeah. than or, and overseas. So that's kind of how the whole thing. What happened. did you study at Cambridge? Architecture. Architecture, yeah. really? Yeah. A yeah. number of my friends were in the architecture yeah. school. Yeah, which college you were at? Trinity. Trinity, yeah. all right, yeah. Trinity's very, very, it, it was uh, just just down the street from King's College, uh -huh. Cambridge. Yeah. Yeah. People used to say the bar in King's College, Cambridge is actually the center of the known universe. <laughs> <laughs> Everything originates from the bar in King's College, Cambridge. So you, you studied architecture. Did you ever practice as an architect? Uh, I went, uh, what, five years out of the seven years. So you, you have to do three years, then you have a year at, uh, out training, then you have another two years, which I started at Royal also College Also Cambridge, you do the last no, I No, I went on to the Royal College of Art, which is yeah. in London. Yeah. Because I wanted to have a, a, a different experience. And, but I quit that. Uh, so I was about five years in mm. before I quit and started my business. What was your business you started? It was the map business. It, it already oh, right. started in Cambridge, but then we okay. grew it to about 40 cities. And there's a map that's kind of almost like three-dimensional. You, yeah, you exactly. It, it's pictorial, and then yeah. you've got like... All of the different, you know, companies are advertising on it, that kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people have seen that. It's mm -hmm. like a, it's it's like it's like a looks like the kind of thing you put under a place setting in a mm -hmm. restaurant. It's like yeah. that kind of piece of paper. Yeah. yeah. In fact, is it used for that? Sometimes you put the mm -hmm. restaurants. So, all sorts of different things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So you did that, mm -hmm. and but then that evolved into more stuff. When I met you first ten years ago, you had a team with you, and you had a you had a company you were running out of. I forget Singapore. Yeah, yeah, that's grown. Yeah, right? so, so I have three companies now. Mm -hmm. They're all focused at supporting entrepreneurs and the mm -hmm. entrepreneur movement. Nice, because uh, we're seeing this massive growth, as we all know, of entrepreneurs around the world, and and the tools that we actually need mm -hmm. uh, for entrepreneurship mm -hmm. are really the same tools that you know got created around the Renaissance time, like yeah. the Trivium, which is basically self awareness, like you know, the, the number one important thing, self awareness. So we have tools like Wealth Dynamics and the Purpose Test, Passion Test. These are all tools. Wealth that Dynamics is based on the Enneagram, as I remember, right? Uh, based on the I Ching. I Ching, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which right. itself, talking about time. Yeah, that, I meant, I, that was, a, that was a slip, I mm. meant I Ching, yeah. But like, I mean, I Ching is the book of changes and it's, and it's very interesting when you talk about like the relationship conversation. You know, when you map out the I Ching, which is basically 64 hexagrams, which are eight times eight, mm. and there's eight different uh, yeah. levels of uh, how people operate uh, with it, which is what we've done within Wealth Dynamics. So someone like Richard Branson, 
um, thinks much faster than someone like Warren Buffett. They're mm. both billionaires, but this is because they've actually got very different paths mm. in how that actually you know taps into time and consciousness for their own uh, success and what they're doing. Uh, so people understand that through the self-awareness side, and then we then have everything around self-mastery. Which well, is hang on, let's just start with the wealth dynamics. I remember you sure. did a reading on my type right. when we first met, mm. and it was fascinating. Is that in a, if, did you write a book on that? Or? Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a book out there called Your Life, Your Legacy. There's the, the Your Life, Legacy. Did. Your Life, Your Legacy. That's about yeah. wealth dynamics. About wealth gives, dynamics. Does that explain the model? It goes through each of the different, it's got a Excellent. chapter on each one. And That's so on. highly recommended, people. Mm. That I, I did that, and it was it really helped me to understand my relationship to money a lot. And, and That's great. And, and and there's lots of videos on YouTube and so on, so people yeah. can go and have a look at that. Uh, but so that's uh, one business. Uh, so, so one business, Entrepreneurs Institute, which is the training business, which yeah. actually does mentoring. It has um, events around the world that we run and so on. So that's one. Uh, then there's a second one, which is Entrepreneur Resorts, because for me, the most important thing, uh, talking about the things we're talking about here, is space, which we haven't really talked about. This environment, mm. and um, I, I see many people around the world trying to become successful within. An environment which is actually not the right environment to be successful like sitting in a city mm. sitting in traffic so, I mean, it's effectively like trying to play music uh, when the static is at full level right it's like mm. you can't even hear the music you're trying to play whereas if you go out to a place like Bali mm. uh, you go out to a place like South Africa on the safari you have a whole different experience of life and yourself mm. and so Entrepreneur Resorts is basically a company which has got resorts and beach clubs around the world uh, where people come and wow. how many they, locations uh, so right now we have uh, resort in Bali, another one in South Africa, which is our uh, safari resort, uh, one in Thailand, which right. is like beach club resort. Uh, and then in terms of the um, uh, cafes, we have them in each of those locations as well. We have a beach club also in um, Sanor, and, and our goal is to have like 50, 50 beach clubs, five resorts in the next five years, that's the goal. And that's a public listed company, so we listed that company and uh, we basically are acquiring uh, different properties and building a resort chain for um, entrepreneurs, uh, health practitioners, people awesome. that want to go and make a difference. Right. So that's the second business. Uh, and then the third one is a tech company called GeniusU, which is an online platform mm. for entrepreneurs. We just hit a million members on that. So it's, wow. it's pretty big and there's okay. about a thousand people a day that are joining that from countries all over the world. Uh, and that provides entrepreneurs with you know, the right learning on the right stages of their business, what's the next step they need to take, they can take their teams through it. Uh, and then we have many mentors uh, that are on the platform. So if someone's looking for a mentor, in raising funding, or we're looking for a mentor in how to build a team, whatever it happens to be, there's going to be someone there that can support you to do it. Uh, and um, and that business is a as a tech company has just gone through Series A, going to Series B in size. So all of this is part of Genius Group, mm. and and Genius Group itself is a hundred million dollar business, which mm. is growing at probably about what fifty percent a year at the moment. Uh, so uh, and uh, we have about five hundred staff. So they're in all the different businesses, and they Fantastic. basically. Um, are, do, using all these tools we're talking about, right? Like in terms of how do you really make sure that everyone's tuned in mm. to the right level for them? Mm. Uh, and when you've got so many moving parts, it is it's like an orchestra. Like you better at that point really get what rhythm's all about. If you don't, then it breaks down very easily. Right. Uh, and I think that's one of the biggest challenges a lot of people have. They, they've started a business up, they've got going, and now they're trying to juggle the pace of the business compared to the pace of their life, compared to the pace of their team, uh, and not having the tools to know how to do that well. And that's what we specialize in. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, congrats. <laughs> Amazing. Let's, uh, let's shift. Let's go back to talking about time for a minute. One, another thing that came up in our conversation yesterday I'd like to revisit is the notion of being on time or being late and how the, the discipline, the habit of being on time or being early even actually radically changes you, the quality of your life. And I've noticed particularly changes your income, right? So I'll just tell that little story first just to introduce this, that 
I'm a member, I used to be a member of three men's groups. I've actually now narrowed it back down to one, but I used to be a member of three. One was in Marin County, where John Gray was a member, uh, Dave Ellis was a member, Stuart Emery. So it was all millionaires, multi-millionaires, people with hundreds of millions sometimes, right? And me. <laughs> I, I, I was the, the, the poor boy of the, of, the, of the group, you know. I'm, an, I'm not struggling, but I you know, was in a different category. And then I was also a member, I live in Nevada City, do you know Nevada City in mm. Eastern California? Yeah, I've been there. Gorgeous little town, a historic town, uh, which has you know a sort of a, a fairly affluent population and also a little bit hippie population, like sort of same group goes to Burning Man, right? Mm. So I was a member of two men's groups in Nevada City. One was basically hippies, like young, long hair, long beard, you know, is men's group, right? Um, and then uh, there was another group I was part of that was kind of in the middle, right? So this is what I noticed, and it was it was amazing. The millionaires group that I was part of. Everybody was always early, like significantly early for the meeting. The only person that ever showed up late in 10 years was me. <laughs> I had an excuse, I guess, because I lived a long way away. In Nevada City, the hippie group, everybody was always consistently late. If the meeting was scheduled for 6.30, people show up at 7 o'clock without much of an excuse even. Sometimes people even didn't even show up at all and didn't even call in to say why, right? The middle group was about in the middle, right? So mm. after a while, I noticed, wow, people who are really wealthy have a habit of being early. People who struggle with money seem to consistently be late for mm. things. So I noticed, wow, there's a relationship between punctuality and time. Absolutely. So let's explore that a little bit. Well, um, and I know when we were talking about this yesterday, I think one of the one of the things I was sharing was the relationship between the relative value of money and time. Mm. Because a lot of people focus that money, think like money's just the end result. Money's crystallized time. It's what happens once you slow time enough down enough that trust grows and money comes from that, right? And that's why mm. people pay people money because they trust them, they're gonna actually get a result. And most people are moving too fast to even catch the money because they're basically like, you know, uh, um, uh, out of sync with time as a result of that. And that's happening because their, their value of time is not high enough with with my, like you know the idea of like someone who doesn't have money compared to someone who doesn't who does the relative value of money actually goes down as you get wealthier um so what someone will do for a thousand dollars when they don't have money is a lot more than what someone will do for a thousand dollars when they've got a lot of money right so so that's an obvious thing but you can't get to wealth by trying to bring down your relative value of money or else you just lose whatever you got but what you can do is realize that time goes up in relative value the wealthier you get. And, and you start by investing your time more effectively. Let's just say that again so slowly because it's just incredibly important to me. Time goes up in value yes. the wealthier you get, right? Uh, the other way around. Okay. You get wealthier mm. the more you increase the value of your time. Okay. So, so for example, if you're, if you're like, okay, I want to start a business or I want to make some money, um, but this evening I'm just going to go watch TV, right? Mm. You're clearly not valuing your time much because you're putting it onto low-level activities that aren't being productive, right? Uh, the moment you say, you know what, I value my time too much mm. to just be wasting it watching TV, I'm going to invest that time to go out and meet some people that are actually successful that I'm going to be learning from. I'm going to spend that time on my knowledge. Like there's three ways that wealth gets created, right? And they're both, they're all three ways that are based on capital. One is financial capital, which is the tip of the iceberg that we see, but the much bigger part of the iceberg is social capital, which is the people you know, and intellectual capital, which are the things you know. Uh, and if you start investing your time in those two things, yeah, I'd suggest the fourth that you referred to earlier, which is overlooked often, is presence capital, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So yeah. So that's kind of more your spiritual quotient, right? Like how much you're actually tuning in yeah. to basically growing these things. And if you if you start realizing that the only reason that the people that became good at anything 
whether it's wealth or whether it's you know uh, 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 like a musical instrument, is that they chose to invest their time more effectively, and they started that and consistently did that, and then they kept growing it. And what you'll find is that those people who are at a high level, they value their time so much, they've divided their time into 15 or 10 minute increments in terms of where they need to be, and they know the people they're around really value their time as well. So they're not gonna be late to something, because they know, like if you go to a meeting with 100 people, you know, that's 100 hours you're, 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 you're wasting for every hour that you're late, right? Mm. Um, even 10 minutes, right? That's already like, you know, if you've got 100 people, that's 1,000 minutes that you've just lost. Uh, and so by respecting other people's time, respecting your own time, you start actually saying, well, what should I be doing that's even more high value in my time? And if you think of a business as a time machine, it really is a time machine where what you're doing is you're saying, well, you know, my time right now is worth $100 an hour, right? Or $1,000 an hour. You know, like what, what would I be doing if it was worth 10 times that? Uh, and if you can think what that would be, it's like, oh, I'd be doing this investment or I'd be, you know, uh, building this uh, product. Then you say, well, then why am I spending my time answering emails? Or you start delegating out to the right team members mm-hmm. that then come in to actually fill up that time, provided you lift yourself to the next level and then you keep on doing this, right? So your time turns to team, your time turns to team. Like when someone says, I don't have enough time, they're really saying, I don't have enough team, right? Mm-hmm. And the moment you actually start looking every week at what's the cycle to increase the value of your time, in order for you to then bring team members on that then allow you to increase, you're constantly working out of your job as you're growing. You're constantly thinking, what do I need to do that's more valuable? You're constantly spending more time around other people that value time more as well. Mm. So it's not a surprise that the millionaires are all early because they respect each other's time so much. Mm. And it's not a surprise the person that's not successful hasn't even figured this out yet. Mm. So they're not just wasting time at the meeting, they're wasting time in everything. Right, so it's a, a, little, a really great takeaway from this podcast today is just for a month to experiment planning so that you're always early for everything right and provided the things that are actually about yes exactly yeah Yeah. but be be early for the schedule carefully like choose carefully and then be early for the things that you've chosen Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. if you're enjoying this podcast you might enjoy dropping by radicalbrilliance.com We've got an ebook for you which explains the radical brilliance cycle, the way the cycle gets blocked, and the practices that best open up the cycle again. We also have five days of gifts and insights for you, delivered every day by email and video, which go much more deeply into the phases of the cycle, the ways that the cycle can become a kind of diagnosis of blocked brilliance and a way to accurately find the right practice for each person. In addition, you'll receive a video about the single most important practice that we have determined affects brilliance, and another video about everyone's favorite topic, brilliant sex. It's all totally free, prepared for you as our guest. Please come to RadicalBrilliance.com. Register on the homepage and you'll receive the ebook right away. Then you'll be guided through the five days of videos to take you deeper into your own radical brilliance. Now this brings up another thing because you you've, you slipped in a couple of references to a mantra. It's the most popular mantra on the planet today. Is there's not enough time, you know, because we're so 
we have access to so much, so much information, mm. so much connections with people that we didn't have before. You know, you, I think you, you or somebody was saying yesterday that you know, previously, if you wanted to do business with somebody in Asia, for example, you know, it would take weeks to, to write the letter, put the stamp on the letter. We're only going about 50 years. Mm. You know, mail the letter. They'd have to get the letter. They'd be, you know, completing a contract could take months of being mailed backwards and forwards. The fax machine, of course, broke that glass ceiling. But now we don't even need a fax machine. Now it's just everything's instantaneous. So it means you actually, you're bombarded with so many sources of information. So this is the big mantra, I don't have enough time, mm. right? So, and this actually, the, the most insightful, kind of mind-blowing idea I had about this that I think I mentioned yesterday I'd like to reflect with you on was a, a, a chapter I read in a book by Gay Hendricks called The Big Leap. Have you ever seen that book? It's got mm. a, a pic- picture of a goldfish jumping out of a, right. of, of a goldfish tank, The Big Leap. And he's got a chapter in there called Einstein Time. And effectively, in this chapter, he demonstrates that you, in your essence, in, your, in, in who you are in, like, in deepest meditation, you are the medium out of which time is created. Mm-hmm. Right? It's amazing. Right? So when we've been talking about time slowing down and speeding up, which means you have a subjective experience of time. So he's saying, actually, all time, time is a kind of a, a wave or a web that is spun out of, the, the ingredient out of which it's spun is who you are. So when you meditate, and you actually, when you, or let's say not meditate, because meditate sounds like an activity, when you enter into an expansive state of consciousness where there is infinite space and time, and time disappears, you could say maybe infinite space and no time, which is eternity mm. and just a single moment, yeah. you actually become the medium out of which time is created. And I've noticed this, yeah. that I, I've been, my wife's away now, so I've been gradually increasing my meditation time mm-hmm. right when when she was home i would you know want more time for cuddling with her mm. so i would meditate like 30 40 minutes yeah now it's like you know sometimes two hours right, right? but i spend with my eyes closed blindfold just enjoying presence mm. so, I'm, so i'm taking actually more more clock time out of the day mm-hmm. but i have way more time in the day yeah <laughs> i've actually ge- generated totally. and created time yeah, absolutely. and i've also uh i've noticed that doing that and I don't know what the relationship is between time and money but I've also noticed that my income kind of tripled in a mm-hmm. month mm-hmm. Um, through just through synchronicity yeah. so more time spent in timelessness gives you more time in the day and more income so figure that one out with me well I, mean, I, I think you're saying just in a different way what we were saying earlier which is that time is a construct of our consciousness and yes. so there's a relationship between those two um, uh, I think there's an extra element to this as well, which is not just what you're doing with that time, but what direction you're heading in yeah. with that time as well. So Buckminster Fuller talks about this concept called lag. Lag is the period of time between your thought and its end manifestation. So if you kind of like say, look, I'd, I'd, really, I'd really love to have someone that can kind of help me with my filing or with my, something like that. Um, if you are uh, not following your purpose, like your app, like what the Japanese call Ikigai, which is like your meaning in life, your, your purpose for being. Um, if you're not following that, uh, it's a bit like going upstream. Um, you know, it can feel like everything's really tough uh, and you're never going to have that manifestation show up, right? The universe is always uh, rewarding whatever is heading in the right direction in the right way. Um, and so you're never going to get it. And that's a really good clue that you're on the wrong track. It's so like, I'm wishing for things that are not happening. Um, when you're really on path and we've all had this experience, where synchronicities show up, when you're really on path and you're doing what you're meant to do, then, then these things show up all the time. You can be thinking, I really want someone to help with my filing. 
like within five minutes, the phone goes and there's someone who says, hey, by the way, I've got some extra time. Um, can I help you with anything? And you think, oh, could you help my finance? Like, yeah, I totally can. It's like, great. And, you, and, you, and it just shows up because you are, because you are in this flow with the universe and then it shows up in that way right like like you know I, I watch surf competitions and I see it happen like like the best surfers getting rewarded with the best waves right the waves are showing up for the surfer <laughs> nice, right and, nice. and I think if you realize that you're always in this dance with the universe right it's mm. always happening back to your whole idea of assimilation right like you start from that place you know as Jack Canfield says that you know best best conspiracy theory is that the entire world is you know conspiring for your, your good. Own well-being right exactly so, <laughs> so and you think oh that's what that's that's what the game is right? right and so if i'm not playing that game well or if i'm forgetting what the game is mm. that's like a footballer forgetting they're meant to kick the ball the ball's going to go flying by you're not going to see it right or you're going to be the wrong part of the pitch where the ball isn't even there but you start following the flow you start mm. finding out where the flow is you find out where your own flow is then everything starts coming your way so your experience which is like hey my money went up like like, you know, Richard Branson, when he's asked, like, what do you do if your businesses aren't working so well? He says, I go to the gym. I look after myself, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if the universe sees that you're nice. looking after yourself, then nice. it shows up as well. Right? Yeah, I go to the meditation cushion, but same, same. Same thing, right? Yeah. It's like, it, and if you think about it, like, in real scientific terms, the fact that every single moment there are cells in our body that are basically disappearing and new ones that are showing up. Mm. Uh, and all of us think, you know, so when we die, we disappear without realizing every day we're disappearing and, re- and mm-hmm. recreating ourselves. Mm. And if you look at how actual, like, where, like, where did those molecules that come to us come from, right? Like the whole universe is based on, on, on matter going to where it can be of most energy, right? Mm. Which means it's going to the highest energy points, which is why suns get created. It's why solar systems get created like galaxies is because all the matter and all the particles are going to wherever there is actually most energy. So if you're at high energy level, you're going to get molecules coming your way. You know, if, if, if I have Roger molecules that left yesterday, I'll sometimes sit and I wonder where those Roger molecules went, right? It's like, mm-hmm. they've got that somewhere, right? And, and who's got them now, right? Because they're part of somebody else, right? Right, right? And I think about, you know, Isaac Newton, his molecules from his entire lifetime are still out there on this, on this planet. Like, so is Einstein's molecules, so is Mother Teresa's molecules, so is Nelson Mandela's molecules. And so I'm like, well, who do I need to be today mm. to attract some of those Mandela nice, molecules, right? Idea, man. That's yeah, great. Because, yeah. because we get to choose, right? Yeah. And if you actually think, well, if I'm going to be negative about things, if I'm going to be you know, basically someone who's not actually worthy uh, of those molecules, guess what? They're not going to show up, right? They're going to go to somebody else. And so if every day you're realizing that you're actually, from a physical point of view, Mm. uh, a new person from who you were yesterday, and you get to choose Mm. what level of energy you're going to play at, um, then you start really thinking twice before you start getting negative thoughts or start coming from a negative place where those molecules are going to be running a mile. That's a great, great idea. You know, what you've just done there, my brain is just thinking all kinds of new thoughts talking to you. I just realized why people want relics, you know? Like, people will go to great lengths to have a relic of the Buddha, right? right? Because there's this thing about entropy, right? Mm-hmm. That actually all matter is sloughing off molecules all the time, sure. right? No, there's, nothing's completely solid. Yes. So if you, this, this recorder here, if you left it there long enough, for hundreds of thousands of years, it would actually completely disintegrate. Sure. It's, it's actually shedding its molecules Absolutely. all the time very, very slowly. Mm. So if you have a relic of the Buddha, uh, you know, like a, a piece of the bone of the, mm. of the, of the Buddha, you know, yeah. in, in your house, it's actually emitting molecules all the mm-hmm. time. Absolutely. So that's why people want, you know, a scar, a scarf worn sure. by Mother Teresa sure. or uh, who else was the people you said that you, you mentioned? There's Nelson Mandela, there's like yeah. people like that. So you, you, want, you want to get a hold of Nelson Mandela's, you know, uh, beanie hat. Right, and, and because it's going to be sloughing off molecules all the time that become your molecules. Yeah, so that's a great explanation for why people want relics of famous of, yeah. of, of people they admire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
God, we could go on forever. <laughs> uh, this, it seems like time... It, it, I, I, I haven't quite grokked this thing about time and consciousness, but time has really gone fast here, which means that consciousness was going slow, which I guess is a good thing, because I, I enjoyed it. Right? Yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah. The, that's the key to it, right? Is that you know when time speeds up uh, that you're doing the right thing in the right way. Cool. And then you just got to make sure that you're slowing it down enough to remember the memories as well. And we've probably shared a lot of molecules. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks a lot. Awesome, man. thanks very much. Uh, how, if people want to know more about yeah. you, where would they, where's the first place they go? Uh, probably just go to my website, rogerjameshamilton.com, and then from there... Hang on, say it slowly. rogerjameshamilton.com. Roger Great. Yeah, and then, and then or just even just Google Roger Hamilton and it will show up at the top. And then from there, all the different things I do all get connected. Brilliant. Thanks so much, man. All right, thank you. Wow. Well, I hope your mind was as blown as mine was when I sat down with Roger. So let's experiment with this a little bit right away. You know, I love it at the end of a podcast to think about, contemplate how we could play this forward, how we could make this real for ourselves. So I'm going to ask you to experiment with some of the tips that Roger spelled out on how to slow down and speed up time. So let's think about, in the next 24 hours, let's contemplate for a moment something that's going to be happening in the next 24 hours that you would actually like to experience as happening very quickly. Um, obvious example might be going to the dentist, um, doing taxes. You know, things, There are things we don't like. We'd like them to speed up. So you could practice the tools that Roger has suggested in your own interpretation of them. I'm not going to re articulate for you them for you because i'd like you to do that for yourself but see if you can think of something where you can imply employ the tools roger suggested to slow down to speed up time so you can get through something more quickly and then think about something you'd like to slow down now for me the most obvious example is making love and i happen to have a date tonight so let's think about and the next time you make love let's use everything roger suggested to slow it down so that you know uh, however long you usually spend making love. If you're British, it's about three minutes. But if you're, you know, tantric, it's like a little longer. But however long you spend uh, making love, slow it down. Let's see if it can last forever just through the suggestions Roger's given you. And please do go to radicalbrilliance.com. Go to the podcast tab. You'll find this podcast. Let us know your experiences. I'd love to hear them. Our next call, our next episode our next interview our next conversation our next brilliant dialogue is with sam horn who is actually the mother of one of our previous guests of, of andrew horn so you can listen to sam talking about how we have original ideas which is, of course is all about what this podcast is is pointing towards see you next time